Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now, sometimes there's a focus on culture, and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends, and sometimes there's a focus on passion projects, but it all comes back to the industry. Now, I always start off Industry Night with a timeline of my travels and eats of the previous week, and as you know, I have been out and about. Now, I can't get into all of it today because I have a very special guest zooming in from Japan, but I will give you a quick recap because I have been wined and I have been dined, and I mean a lot of wine and a lot of dining. So six Beaujolais winemakers hosted a dinner earlier this week at Dauphine's where I was taken on a virtual tour of the region and tasted wines not yet available in this country. Now don't roll your eyes when I say Beaujolais. This is not the Beaujolais Nouveau that's gotten all the press over the last couple of years. This is Beaujolais. These are wines of France and you definitely want to take a look at them. Uh, I took a progressive tour of Hollis Silverman's restaurants. She has three fabulous restaurants in one massive space. So we did the antipasti at the Italian La Colina, dinner at the very Cali Chic, Duck and the Peach, and after dinner drinks, like we needed more liquor at that point, uh, at the cocktail bar, The Wells. Now, deeper dives on all these experiences are available on my Instagram, at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. And of course, if you want to get in on all the things that I'm doing, you go to the listareyouonit.com for the who, what, where, why, when in the DC food, wine, and hospitality scene. Okay, so... You may remember, or if you don't, you should, that back in March 2011, a 9.0 magnitude earthquake and then a massive tsunami struck Japan's Tohoku region. Now, near total devastation and more than 20,000 deaths. So it wiped out most of the food production of farms and, and a robust fishing industry. So it's really forced Japan and the Japanese to reimagine the framework of the local economy. And it's surprising uh, and responding, I'm sorry, with surprising economic vigor thanks to new approaches to both farming and fishing. Now, here in the United States, the Japanese embassy works to connect and educate uh, everyone really on Japan culture and cuisine, uh, but US chefs and consumers on the Tohoku regions, the fishers, uh, fishermen and farmers there. Now I'm joined today by Ryo Tush, um, Zuzukihashi, the agriculture attache of the Embassy of Japan, and Misaki Tanida of Horaya Hoten. Um, it's a 150-year-old company that makes koji, and we're gonna find out more about that. So they're gonna talk about how that region is literally rising from the ashes on a, a completely new foundation that is innovating fishing and farming. So I wanna thank you both for joining me today. Rio, I wanna start with you, please. Um, tell us a little bit about the Tohoku region, sort of pre-2011. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me today. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Ryo, the agricultural attaché at the Embassy of Japan. And personally, I'm from Tohoku. I'm from Fukushima. 
And uh, I think the Tohoku is less known compared to like Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka. But it's a uh, northeast part of Japan. And the primary industry is farming and fishing. And the weather is actually is a very severe. In the winter, there is a massive snowfall. So the living that area isn't easy, I would say. And before the earthquake, the many people left, like younger generation left that area and decided to live in city area like Tokyo. The, uh, the earthquake, the 11 years ago, the, it hit the 9.0, the magnitude earthquake hit that area and literally swiped away everything. But the Tohoku people's mind is very resilient thanks to that kind of a severe weather or their like, dedication to primary industry. So the, we got a very heartful support from the people, especially in the United States. So thanks to that, we've returned to normal. So the Tohoku people, including me, I, the, we think it's our turn to show our best gratitude to the people in the United States, especially people in DC. So that's why we are trying to introduce our unique and uh, delicious food and food culture to the foodies in DC. Well, I, I think that's really interesting. That is a dramatic history, um, especially when you talk about the severe weather as somebody who really doesn't like the cold. I don't understand <laughs> what's happening there. Uh, <laughs> but so when you talk about the farming and fishing that that is sort of regenerating in that area, is there is there a lot of uh, factories in the industry there, a lot of processing there, or is it more rural? Uh, give us an idea of what the setting feels like. We have our, like, every single kind of food related and like supply chain from the, like the farming and fishing mm -hmm. and then the food processing. So those kind of like the, I would say the Tohoku area is kind of food cluster in Japan. And the, the I, what happened after the earthquake is, I think it's pretty similar uh, what happened after the COVID in the United States. Like the restaurant industry uh, were forced to fire the employees. And actually the food processing factories or kind of fishing vessels company were forced to fire their employees. And uh, like, but what happened is the uh, people never came back because those kind of uh, industry is pretty labor intensive as well as uh, salary is not good and actually really hard job. But there is an exception, like the company who provided a great benefit or great respect to the employees. Mm -hmm. uh, they are always winner, like the Misaki's company. So that, that's why like the younger generation are going into those area. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense when you explain it that way, right? Because if the industry is good to the employees, they, you know, it's a, it's a benefit, right? But when you talk about younger generations going back to Tohoku uh, for fishing and farming, I mean, if they weren't doing that originally, are there mentors, are there people, are there those in the industry who are sort of guiding them to learn how to fish, learn how to farm, learn how to, to work in that region since it's so cold in the winter, like knowing how to work the land and work in the water? Yeah, the local government and the, there is uh, like private, the government sponsored program to like educate like a high school student or college student how to engage in fishing as well as, well as farming. And so there, there were no such kind of effort pre-earthquake. But thanks, I, I would say, thanks to the earthquake, like many people uh, decided to call home, like those kind of retail hook region. Mm -hmm. And those people uh, are reading their effort for engaging the younger generation. Or they, try, they are trying to convert the industry, the primary industry image from kind of a like the very hard or very old style uh, into the leading and kind of innovative industry. Well, I think that's really interesting because, you know, if you look at the states, if you look here in this country and you look at the hospitality industry right now, right? Everybody's looking for help. I mean, you were on Foodie and the Beast. You heard everybody in there talk about, you know, they need staff, they need front of the house, they need back of the house. Everybody's looking for somebody. And one of the things that, and, and, that is a post-pandemic, hopefully post-pandemic problem. But quite frankly, pre-pandemic, it was already simmering. There were We were already short on staff, especially in the DC market. It wasn't as much of a national problem as it was a local problem. But, um, but what I find really interesting is that if kids in high school are not taught about the hospitality industry, and it is a viable, incredible, employment that they could start in high school and work up and become very successful in, but there's no education on it. So I really admire what the Japanese government is doing uh, for the Tohoku region, because if you, you know, what's the line, something like if you give a, if you give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day, but if you teach them about the fish, they'll eat forever. I mean, that's really what you're doing by educating the students on these possible employment opportunities. So I just, um, I applaud it. I wish we could find ways to do something like that over here for a variety of different, you know, necessary uh, jobs that need to be filled. Um, so let's talk about the region, given it's uh, mercurial uh, um, weather. Let's talk about what is grown in that region. Oh, it's uh, very difficult to pick particular thing because I would say Tohoku is kind of a treasure land of food and food culture, but I would pick the seafood. Like the Tohoku coast is really resource rich ocean. The, no, the ocean current from the north and the south meets of the to coast of Tohoku. And uh, it 
makes that area really the resourceful. It like Bering Sea or North Atlantic Ocean in the United States. And not only that, there, there is a kind of a seafood processing plant in Topok Coast. Actually, a whole coast of like the catching the fish and being processed. It's actually happened like two or three hours in the in the uh, in the morning. Mm. So the like there is a fisherman's work. The people buy the fishing processing company buy fish at that place, and just thirty seconds of their boat, the fish are actually arrived at their factory. Mm -hmm. So we have, of course, we have a fresh fish, but we have the bunch of the frozen or canned seafood. Mm. Some, of, some of you think or imagine like the frozen or canned seafood isn't good compared to fresh seafood. But uh, uh, I'm proud to say, even though the tofu the fish are frozen, they, uh, it's still super fresh and uh, sushi and sashimi quality. Well, I mean, I you know, the United States is catching up on tinned fish, you know, canned fish. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we all grew up with tuna fish, but there's been so much has been coming out of Japan on that uh, in that market. And it's so popular in Europe. Uh, that uh, you're finding more and more of it here and uh, people are educating their palates uh, on that fish. And I, we'll get back to the frozen fish conversation because um, there is such a misconception on like frozen fish that, you know, you know, the kinds of frozen fish. And I think when it's done in a certain way, it's just as good as fresh. And I've heard that from chefs for years now, but there's a, you know, there's a marketing misconception when you go to the grocery store and what you're buying. So we'll we'll put a pin in that. But I want to talk to Misaki of uh, Horea Houten. Uh, the company is 115 years old, uh, and you all make koji, but and all and do more. So thank you for joining us today or joining me today. Tell me, tell me a little bit um, about yourself and about the company. Yes. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Misaki from Horaya Honten, and I am on the sales team, specifically international sales. So I do exports and just sharing info about Koji to everyone. Um, and our company is a Koji company. Uh, we are located in Fukushima Prefecture, specifically Koriyama City, which is basically the belly button of Fukushima, right in the middle. And we do koji, which is fermented rice. I don't know if you guys know about this, uh, but this... Tell us about it. Pretend like we know nothing. <laughs> Tell us about fermented rice. Koji is awesome. <laughs> so you guys uh, should be very curious about it because it is actually the basic ingredient, the core to Japanese food, because you need koji to make miso, uh, sake, um, if you mold uh, soybeans and wheat, you need it for soy sauce. A lot of the basic Japanese ingredients are all based from this fermented mold. 
Okay, so we were talking about this offline. So is the fermented mold like the mold that's on corn? You know, in Mexico, there's a mold on corn that, that's like a delicacy. Is it similar? Or do you force the mold to grow? Um, yes and no. Um, okay. The koji is, um, it's, there are many types of koji. So there's okay. koji that's good for miso making. We also do a drink called amazake, mm -hmm. which is a sweet drink made from koji. So there's koji that's preferred for that. There's koji preferred for soy sauce. So I think different manufacturers use different koji molds to make their product. But you guys are the makers of the koji, right? Yes, uh, we do fermented rice. So we mold rice and then okay. we take the koji and turn it into miso amazake. And you um, the product. Yes. So now what got you involved in working with a company like this and sort of also being an amplifier for the message of uh, the foods coming out of the Tohoku region? Uh, I am Japanese American. I'm born and raised in New York State, um, but my background is Japanese and I grew up with Japanese food. Mm -hmm. So I naturally came to love Japanese food and I wanted more people to enjoy Japanese food. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much more to it than just sushi and ramen is basically what I wanted to get at. <laughs> and so but he, he just caught up on ramen. I mean, I, just, <laughs> I mean, you know, sushi yes. been here for 40 years and I feel like ramen like mm -hmm. 15 years ago, maybe in, you know, California and maybe in New York. But now, I mean, now there's a ramen place in every corner, but we just caught up. So, you know, yes. give, we're slow. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but we're doing good job because mm -hmm. Koji, I've heard, is um, a big deal in the D.C. community, D.C. foodies out there, which is uh, great to hear mm -hmm. because Koji is, it really brings uh, like more to Japanese food. It was in the background for ages. Um, it only came to light maybe 10 years ago even within Japan. So you mean, so it was an ingredient that people were using, but people weren't talking about it? Yes, exactly. Because people had miso on hand mm -hmm. or like people had the end product on hand. Uh, maybe back in the day, uh, people would take koji and make their own miso, make their own fermented foods. But in recent days, we buy them. So people didn't really know about it. People weren't really educated. Um, but now Koji came to light. People know about it. People know it's good for the gut, that it's good for you. Um, and now people love it, which is great. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, fermented, uh, fermented foods, I mean, you could go to any culture, except probably American culture, uh, and find fermented foods, you know, as a part of aiding in digestion. Um, so the Koji is more fermentation as part of the process to aid in digestion with the cuisine of the Japanese culture, right? Yes, exactly. And so with uh, your company, you know, how does, I mean, 115 years old, has it always been in the Koji business? Yes, uh, we actually started out as a Koji company. Mm -hmm. It was actually called Horaya Koji Store. 
Okay. Um, actually, <laughs> it sounds a little weird in English. But... No, it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, that's how we started out. And then um, after a few years, we started doing miso. And then later on, we started doing amazake. And then now we do even more, including soy sauce goji. Right. I have it. And it's delicious. I put it on everything. So I know what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Um, now, when the tsunami and the earthquake happened, how did mm-hmm. it affect the company and, and your products? Um, so our company, we are located more inland. We're not necessarily by the ocean. Okay. So we didn't have like tsunami damages. Mm-hmm. But we did have earthquake damages, so things broke. Um, I, there was a lot of construction. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a lot of um, like negative attitudes toward Fukushima Prefecture because sure. of the nuclear power plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we did radioactivity testing for all of our products at that time, and we had negative results for everything, uh, people just were scared, and they just didn't want it at all Mm. and so I think it took some time for people to accept it and to uh, feel safe about it but once that happened uh, we were very supportive Uh, people supported us (laughs) and now we're back on exports and we're trying to share more about koji to everyone well, I mean, it was an ingredient I wasn't really familiar with. So, you know, I didn't know the name. I know all the other ones. And, you know, we all mm-hmm. talk about umami and, and how things are layered uh, in food and, and that indescribable yummy taste. Um, and knowing now about koji and what it does, not just its health benefits, but its added benefit flavor profile wise to miso and soy sauce and these other products is, you know, it's fascinating. It's really interesting. Now, when it comes to educating the DC market, why start here? Um, Where's here? Sorry. DC. DC. Oh, DC. Yes. Um, We would love for the DC chefs um, to learn more about Koji because Koji, you can you don't use koji as itself, you turn it into something else through fermentation. Mm-hmm. And so with creative DC chefs, I'm sure they can turn koji into other flavorful, like their own unique misos, unique condiments that mm-hmm. can really boost their umami in their dishes. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And um, we do, I mean, given, and Rio knows this too, I mean, the DC market, because it's filled with embassies and diplomats, we have uh, really some of the best uh, Japanese chefs in the country here doing incredible, incredible uh, cuisine, not just sushi, which you, and ramen, you know, you know with izakayas and real, you know, full format Japanese dining from different regions, you know? Um, I think the United States has finally caught up that uh, it's not just Italian food, it's not just Chinese food, it's not just Indian food. Like, there's regional dinings, just like if you were to come here to the United States, you grew up here in New York, you know how you eat in upstate New York versus how you eat in Georgia is different. (laughs) So... Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Japan has so much regionality and local foods, and there's so much out there to experience. So I really hope more people come visit and to like experience it themselves as well. Well, I think a lot of people would love to visit Japan. Um, I have friends who go 
uh, regularly. Um, they just love it there. I, 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 the travel industry, I think, is just picking back up. Um, and it just feels like Japan has so much to offer from a travel standpoint. For sure. And definitely come visit Tohoku. <laughs> yes, well, obviously, we're talking about Tohoku. Yes, if we're coming to Japan, we're going to go to Tohoku. All right, uh, Rio, I'd love to bring you back on. I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of what I was talking about with uh, Japanese food in the D.C. market, but maybe even a little more about the global food shortage that's happening right now. You know, there's there's been such a dynamic change uh, globally because of the pandemic, um, prices are high. Um, and then what's happening in Ukraine. So we have, we have all these things happening. And I was just wondering, um, if there were things that was happening, uh, in the Tohoku region in Japan, you know, like with fermentation and things of that nature that, that could help make food more available. Yeah. I want to, talk about two things. The mm -hmm. first one is, uh, uh, I'm going back to the frozen seafood because actually the uh, Japanese consumer have the beliefs, still believe the fresh is better. But the, what happened at the earthquake is like all kind of fresh seafood were littered and have to clear all those things. And uh, the, like fresh is, Fresh is good, but it's very weak and susceptible to the like, supply chain crisis or disaster. Like when COVID happened, the Japanese restaurants were forced to close area or were not allowed to provide alcohol. So fresh seafood demand disappeared. But the frozen seafood or tinned seafood, they are like, it, we can store it like one or two years. So it's a very resilient to like supply chain crisis. And of course, the fermentation and the cozy is a great way to make the food more can last long and enhance the nutrients. And like we cannot eat the like the like the beans as itself, but using the technique of fermentation we can consume it with a great nutrient. Mm. So, and thanks to like the fermentation is everywhere in every single place all over the world. So I, I'm not saying like just exporting like Japanese products, but we can educate how to ferment your food in every area. So those kind of a, like cultural, like, like I would say it's kind of a diplomacy of food. Uh, we can contribute the Japanese ancient technique will contribute to those kind of a, like global food shortage or those kind of crisis. Well, I think that's so important because, you know, we hear about food insecurities in around the world, whether it has to do with a food shortage or a different crisis or the war or whatever is happening. So knowing that there are ways to approach it that may be a little, 
you know, for people in the United States, maybe that's not how we're thinking, but you're 100% right. Tin fish is a no brainer that does make sense. And I will tell you, you know, at the height of the pandemic, like when you only went grocery shopping once a week and you gloved up and masked up and, you know, I was like in a suit, um, like a hazmat suit, but I probably was buying frozen fish for the first time in my life. I never bought frozen fish. I always, you know, I went to the market, I went to my fishmonger day of and, and bought fresh fish, but not knowing when I was going out again, you know, for the first time ever, my freezer was stopped. And, um, it, you know, it's, it was di culturally different for me because I believe in sort of shopping day of to get what I need, which is not always the best when you're a busy person, but I like fresh food. So, um, but I do buy frozen fish now. And um, it was not something I did before because I had a negative, I don't know what I thought. I just was like, fresh is better. But for long-term, you're 100% right. Frozen and tinned is also, I think, um, again, a cultural thing that Americans are finally adapting to. Um, well, listen, I, this has been very illuminating. I am so interested, obviously, in the Tohoku region and the products you are all producing. And um, I would love if you would both tell me uh, how people can sort of find out more about the Tohoku region, find out more about uh, Koji, obviously, but also traveling to Japan. I think for a lot of people, travel, everybody's got the travel Jones, everybody wants to start traveling again. Um, Japan may seem like it's harder to get to, that it's a harder trip because, you know, not as many people go as like, for example, going to travel domestically, or if they go internationally, they think Europe, right? I mean, that's just what we do. So learning more about how to travel to Japan, I think is really important. So people know that it's just as approachable as Koji. So, so uh, Misaki, tell us please where we can find more info about, um, Haraya and you and Koji. Yes, um, we do have an English website, so you can check us out um, on our website. But please, please check out our Instagram mm -hmm. because our Instagram has beautiful pictures that my boss's wife took with a bunch of recipes <laughs> with how to use Koji and how to use miso. I think it will be a very fun and easy way to learn more about Koji and how to use it. Excellent. Yes, I follow it. It is amazing. And I think the recipes are important. I am all about learning more when it comes to, you know, instead of just pouring, like marinating the sauce and, you know, using the sauce as just a marinade or adding it as a little push to like a soup or a dressing, which I have already done. But um, thank you so much. Give us the Instagram handle, please. Yes, our Instagram handle is Horaya Honten, H O R A I Y A H O N T E N. Great. Thank you so much, Misaki. And Rio, tell us please where we can find more information either on the embassy site or on Instagram so people who are interested in Japan, in the Tohoku region, where we can find out more. Oh. Actually, the, you can go to the Japanese embassy's website. There is, I would say, little information. Mm -hmm. But uh, I probably say that, like, Rami's reception in July, the July 24th, 
the we the Japanese embassy have a booth and uh, provide the our super fresh frozen seafood as well as rice from Tohoku. Hmm. So please, uh, if you uh, go to the Rami's reception uh, in July, please uh, come to Japanese embassy's booth. Okay, I will definitely do that. <laughs> uh, and can you tell us where we can find you on Instagram? If not, I can just put it in the show notes. Uh, so the uh, sorry, I, I can't. <laughs> That's okay. I have it. I'll find it. I will take care of it for you. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. This was like a little virtual trip uh, to Japan. So thank you both so much. Well, I don't know about you, but now I really want to go to Japan. I mean, it doesn't take much to get my travel Jones up and running. Uh, but now it is. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to do any of Asia. So uh, it is completely on my list. And I do hope one day to be able to go to Japan to, of course, see Tokyo, uh, go to the Tohoku region. I'm really, really interested in the fish markets. I just have these visions in my head of these massive fish markets and and I'm fascinated by it. So I'm hoping one day it's on my bucket list. So let's see if we can make it happen. Um, if you haven't tried Koji or Koji based products, or you think you have, but you don't know a lot about it, uh, take a look at um, Haraya's, uh, Haraya Houghton's um, Instagram feed. It is uh, really educational. And if you have any interest in Japanese cuisine whatsoever, this is a great way to learn more because as uh, Misaki said, it's not just sushi and ramen. It is a really uh, complex uh, flavor profile cuisine. There's so much more there. So do your homework and find out more. And I want to thank you all for joining me today on Industry Night as well as um, my guests. Now, I will be disappearing for the next two weeks because I am going on my very first trip to Israel. I'm incredibly excited. I'm going with Reality Israel, which is a group that brings together people in food. So chefs, food media, food makers, to uh, culturally explore the country and its cuisine. So um, I'm so excited and I cannot wait to come back and tell you all about it. So, uh, so much happening in the DC metro area, aside from my travels, uh, follow uh, me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for my travels and eating, but for everything going on in the DC metro area, Check out the list, areyouonit.com, the online zine that tells you about every food and wine event happening. Again, I want to thank you all for joining me. Be safe out there and have a delicious week. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.